A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Edward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. It's 8.30 on Friday, November 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll have analysis on both of next week's U.S. Senate elections in Mississippi with the At Issue team. Plus, hear from a legislative Democrat looking to unseat Mississippi's Republican senior U.S. senator. Then find out why Mississippi is behind the curve in carrying pregnancies to full term and what can be done about it. Plus, we'll learn how officers across the state are helping Mississippi kids develop healthy behaviors. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi voters head to the polls Tuesday to cast their ballots in a series of statewide, regional, and local elections. Mississippi Public Broadcasting is offering voters insights on U.S. Senate candidates and matters at stake in a special at-issue program airing tonight at 7.30 on MPB Television. Hear from candidates in each race as they talk about campaign platforms and their opponents. At-issue host Wilson Stribling, along with analysts Brandon Jones and Austin Barber, will discuss the midterm elections and the two U.S. Senate seats up for grabs in Mississippi. Austin Barber is a Republican strategist and partner at the Clearwater Group. Brandon Jones is a Democrat and an attorney with the Barrier Jones Law Firm. Barber shares his view on what's important in the upcoming race. Well, listen, we've got to remember sort of what's at stake and, and where the numbers are in the U.S. Senate. So if you're sitting at home watching this show, you've got to remember there are 51 Republicans in the U.S. Senate and there are 49 Democrats. Of course, there's a Republican in the White House. So if there ever came a 50-50 vote on an issue, you've got to break the tie. And the Constitution says the vice president can come in and break the tie either way. So if you, to control the Senate, you've got to have the majority or at least the ability to break a tie at 50-50. And that means a lot. Who are the committee chairmen? Who's the majority leader, which handles, you know, who decides what bills we're going to bring up, what's the agenda we're going to do? It is enormous. It's, it's gigantic. And obviously, Republicans have had that power uh, specifically for the, for the last two years, even before the I, I don't. It's been several terms since, since they've had that power. So that is what is at stake with the two uh, Senate races here in Mississippi. I think Austin got the civics part of this right. I think the, the other part of it is the political part. And so I think for Republicans, Democrats, independents who were less than pleased with the election of Donald Trump, who have been less than pleased with the increasing polarization of our politics and our politicians, uh, a tone that seems to be digressing by the day, um, and who also believe that having a checks and balance is a good thing, I think it's also important because you have an opportunity in the House to have a little bit more balancing within the Congress. And so that's a crucial thing. And, of course, this playing field, and we'll talk about this in a moment, I'm sure, does not favor Democrats. 
you know, in terms of where they're having to play defense and otherwise. But because of Donald Trump and the unpopularity of, of his, his time in office, there may be some opportunities to win in places they haven't in a while. Analyst Brandon Jones and Austin Barber. And on to our final conversation with a Senate candidate. State Representative David Beria is on the ballot facing Republican U.S. Senator Roger Wicker on Tuesday. The Gulf Coast Democrat is currently the State House Minority Leader. He is loudly critical of Roger Wicker, who has declined repeated invitations to a public debate. Beria talks with MPB's Ashley Norwood about his hopes for Mississippi. To fix a problem, you have to acknowledge that there is a problem. And I think that too many of our leaders for the last 25 or 30 years have essentially ignored the problems that we have in Mississippi because they just whistle past the graveyard. And now all of those uh, issues have come home to roost and we find that our infrastructure is crumbling. We have a couple thousand bridges that need to be replaced. Our health care delivery system is abysmal. Uh, we're not doing what we need to do to take care of our K-12 through educational system. And because of those things plus many more, we have a brain drain in Mississippi where we find that, you know, 30, 40,000 of our young people have left the state in the last four or five years. And, and so what I bring that's different uh, from my opponent is that I am willing to stand up uh, to leadership and I'm willing to stand up for Mississippians. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to be beholding to big corporations or lobbyists. And, and I don't mind standing up and speaking truth to power and representing the people of the state of Mississippi as opposed to big corporations and lobbyists. Now, I want you to kind of talk about some of your major Mississippi has three huge issues that we're having to deal with uh, on a daily basis. And they are health care, public education, and infrastructure. And when I talk about uh, infrastructure, I'm not talking about just roads and bridges because I'm talking about our electrical grid, I'm talking about water and sewer and gas distribution lines, and I'm talking about internet. Because even if we were to fully fund MAEP, our, our uh, public education, K-12 through public education funding formula, if we were to do that tomorrow, schools in the Delta still wouldn't be able to keep up with schools in Jackson, Mississippi, or Madison, or Gulfport because they don't have access to high-speed internet. Uh, so it's not fair to them. So we have structural infrastructure issues all over this state, but they're more acute in underserved communities than they are in communities that are tax wealthy. And the same is true with funding our public education system. If you cut funding, it's going to hurt everybody, but it hurts underserved communities more acutely because Madison is tax rich. Gulfport, uh, Jackson County, tax rich areas don't hurt as badly when the legislature cuts funding. And then finally, health care. We refuse to take 12 to $15 billion of our tax money back to the state of Mississippi and help our rural hospitals and provide 300,000 of our brothers and sisters with some payment mechanism so that they don't have to decide, are they going to pay the car note or are they going to take little Johnny to the doctor? That, that's shameful in my opinion. But in addition to that, our rural hospitals are filing bankruptcy because we didn't do that and help them uh, through this, this difficult time.
time. And then finally, we would have created eight to 9,000 high-paying medical sector jobs if we had done that. It was a purely political decision. Let's make no bones about it. The governor didn't do the right thing because it was pure politics, and the Republicans didn't do the right thing for pure politics. And my opponent is one of those people who opposes the Affordable Care Act and who uh, apparently wants to end coverage per, for pre-existing conditions. Can you imagine if, you're, if you didn't have coverage for pre-existing conditions? I mean, that puts the welfare of your family at risk. Uh, and it's just wrong. How does it feel? You know, you talked about SB as well as a, a fellow Democrat. Two Democrats going into the November ballot. Some people say this is probably one of the most divisive times. It would be huge for Mississippi, for the United States, and I think that Mississippi would shock the world. And we will on November 6th when we elect two Democrats to represent our state in Washington in the United States Senate. Mississippi hasn't had a Democrat representing us in the United States Senate in Washington for over 30 years. So I'm not fooling anybody. Uh, I know it's a long shot, but we have a rare set of circumstances going on in this state, and you can feel it on the ground. We have enthusiasm on our side on the Democratic Party. We've got both seats on the ballot. We have a 24-year incumbent in my race who really has no accomplishments to speak of. He's afraid to come back and face the voters. And then you have uh, this, this feeling uh, countrywide that we need somebody who will stand up to this president. You know, America, uh, through our Constitution, set up three co-equal branches of government. Well, Congress is not doing its job. Congress, it has to be a check on this or any other president, and, and instead what we have is, is a feckless senator in Washington representing us right now who is incapable of standing up to, to this president. Democrat David Beria faces Republican Senator Roger Wicker on Tuesday. Senator Wicker declined to be interviewed by MPB News. Also on the ballot are Libertarian Danny, uh, Danny Bedwell and Reform Candidate Sean O'Hara. Learn more about Tuesday's Senate races on a special edition of MPB's At Issue. It's tonight at 7.30 on MPB TV. Coming up, find out why Mississippi has the most preterm births in the nation, and some areas are more at risk. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. President Trump is making his last pitch for Republican control of Congress leading up to the midterms, sending thousands of troops to the border to stop a group of migrants from asking for asylum weeks from now. Meanwhile, Democrats want to focus on health care. We'll preview the elections with our political roundtable. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This week on a special at issue, both of Mississippi's U.S. Senate seats are up for re-election. In the general election, State Representative David Beria is vying to unseat incumbent Senator Roger Wicker. In Mississippi, it's time for change. There's also a special election to fill the remaining term of Senator Thad Cochran's seat. The Second Amendment rights is very important to me. We've got to make sure that we can stop this brain drain. I don't believe government should micromanage our lives. The issues of substance aren't being discussed. Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Mississippi has earned an F grade for the high number of preterm births in the state. The annual report card uh, report card from the March of Dimes finds preterm births on the rise across the country. While the national average is 9.93%, Mississippi's rate is significantly higher at 13.6. March of Dimes president Stacy Stewart tells us factors such as limited access to health care are big factors, but there are things women can do to increase their chances for a healthy full-term birth. The country uh, overall received a grade of a C uh, with its rate at 9.93%. In Mississippi, the rates are significantly worse. Uh, The rate of preterm birth is at 13.6% and it received a grade of an F, which means that Mississippi in many cases is really failing uh, too many moms and babies. Um, The rate of preterm birth is is uh, significantly higher than it is uh, across the country. And that means there are far too many babies that are being born too sick and too soon. Um, Prematurity is really an important issue because uh, prematurity and the consequences of preterm birth are the leading causes of death for children between the ages of zero and five. And even if babies do survive uh, a preterm birth, they often are facing lifelong health challenges. They often uh, are uh, experiencing issues around physical disabilities, other developmental delays. They may uh, suffer from cerebral palsy, have other vision challenges. And sometimes, even if we don't see these challenges early in childhood, they will show up uh, as a result of prematurity later in adulthood. What causes premature births? It's one of the major things that we're doing at the March of Dimes is investing literally millions of dollars in understanding the underlying causes of premature birth. One of the things I think is important to understand is that it is not uh, always due to a woman's behavior or anything that she has done um, to cause preterm birth. We actually don't know why prematurity happens, and it affects women from all walks of life, Uh, women irrespective of income levels or educational levels. But what we do see is the risk of prematurity is often worse um, in communities that uh, lack access to good health care, that uh, may not be uh, have uh, access to health coverage, health insurance coverage, um, and in places where there may not even be a qualified health professional to provide prenatal care, often in rural areas, in poor areas. Um, and so it is not because of poverty. It is not because of your race that these things happen. However, because of the issues of poverty and race and how that, those play out with respect to health coverage in this country, Many communities often face higher rates of preterm birth, um, and, and it's something that we have to address as a country. Certainly in Mississippi, we need to make sure that all women, irrespective of, of where they live and um, their income levels, um, have access to the kind of care they need to protect their, their, themselves and their babies. What can a woman do to help assure that her baby is born at full term? The very first thing that, that women can do um, is if a woman is experiencing some chronic health challenges, like if she's suffering from obesity or hypertension or uh, diabetes, uh, getting those kinds of chronic health conditions under control before she's pregnant uh, can be a great contributor to reducing the risk of prematurity uh, uh, during pregnancy and, and while she's pregnant. She also needs to continue that kind of prenatal care and, and, and being seen by a doctor during pregnancy as well. That, just being seen by a health professional can have a significant increase on reducing the risk of prematurity. Also reducing any kind of other, and eliminating any other kind of risky behaviors, um, 
stopping smoking, uh, avoiding any kind of substance uh, abuse. Those things um, and engaging in other kinds of risky behaviors obviously are very important to make sure that a baby is born full-term and healthy. Can you tell us about uh, the March of Dimes Community Grant for partnering to improve African-American women's preconception health? Absolutely. One of the things that we're doing uh, across uh, the country and certainly in the state of Mississippi is trying to employ innovative approaches that can provide greater access to care to many women where they need it, especially in communities that, again, uh, may experience a higher risk of preterm birth. Um, the, the kinds of things that the March of Dimes does um, is to support community partners to make sure that these kinds of innovative programs can be made available to reduce the risk of preterm birth and making sure that more women who traditionally have lacked access to this kind of care have the kind of care and access that we need. But the only way that we're able to do that is when we're able to get the kind of support from our donors and others uh, to support the kind of work that we're doing in Mississippi. You can access the report at marchadimes.org um, and get more information about the premature birth report card. Stacy D. Stewart is the president of the March of Dimes. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you so much. Coming up, how officers across the state are helping Mississippi kids develop healthy behaviors. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Last time on the Gestalt Gardener. Come in here and talk to him, Billy. Wait, wait. What are we doing? Is this pass filter around the room day? That going for is more of a potted plant hanging basket, hanging off the cider type of thing, rather than planting in a hole type of thing. And in the hole itself, put you some ivy or some impatience, something else. But I wouldn't plant the, the saccharine fern in a hole. That sounds good. I'm going to hand you back over to Stan. No, no, no. We're going to move on the next call. Tune in to the Gestalt Gardener today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This week on a special at issue, both of Mississippi's U.S. Senate seats are up for re-election. In the general election, State Representative David Beria is vying to unseat incumbent Senator Roger Wicker. In Mississippi, it's time for change. There's also a special election to fill the remaining term of Senator Thad Cochran's seat. The Second Amendment rights is very important to me. we got to make sure that we can stop this brain drain. I don't believe government should micromanage our lives. The issues of substance aren't being discussed. Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. This school year, many students in grades K through 5 are learning important health lessons thanks to uniformed police officers and firefighters from across Mississippi. It's part, excuse me, it's part of the Healthy Heroes program funded by the Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi Foundation, and it's working to develop lasting healthy behaviors in school children. As we end our week-long focus on youth obesity and our continuing coverage on the state of obesity, we hear from local programs across the state working to get kids more active. Jason Tillman is fire chief in the city of Forest. He tells us how the firefighters in Forest get, got healthy. We've always promoted uh, physical fitness and healthy eating here within our department. And uh, through our partnership with uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, we're able to go into the schools and uh, kind of promote that with them as well because they're oftentimes enamored with the, with the uniform and the trucks, and we use that to kind of drive home the fact of, of healthy eating and also physical fitness activity. I would imagine, yeah, as you said, enamored with the trucks and the uniforms. What do the firefighters tell the kids? How do they get that message across about healthy eating and activity? We go in with each class and we kind of discuss uh, what, what are healthy 
choices to pick when they're eating uh, as opposed to to choices that we may sometimes eat. So we really go over and drive home the fact of, of choosing healthy uh, a healthy diet. And then we also uh, actually do physical activities with them there. We kind of tell them that you know any movement is good movement because over the years we see less and less activity uh, from younger kids, and we're hoping that this really helps them uh, get motivated to, to be physical and, and, and exercise. Do you influence them in any way by saying if you eat healthy and you're active, then you'll be strong like a fireman and you can be able to do this and that? Sure. That's, that's one, of the, the, one of the key things that we do. We, we say, you know, it, it's important for us as, as firefighters to be healthy and to be active and to be physically fit. And we say that, you know, if, if you follow in our footsteps, you could very well one day uh, end up being a firefighter or a police officer. Do the firefighters see themselves as mentors to the kids? Sure, we do. We, we always look at ourselves as mentors to the kids, and we realize that, that oftentimes there's younger eyes are looking up to us, and we kind of, you know, uh, in everyday life, and, and certainly with this physical fitness and, and healthy eating, we, uh, we want to be mentors for them for that. Do you hope that what you're doing with the students will extend beyond to their families and, and to the whole community of Forest? Absolutely. That's one of the key things of the program is to we, we found that anything that we go in the schools and we talk with the kids about 99.9% chance they're going to carry that home. They're going to talk about it at home. So not only in there in the schools, but it's got a ripple effect. It goes home and, it, and they kind of promote healthy eating and physical fitness at home with their parents, with their families. And we hope that it, it has a, a broad reaching effect. Any competition between you and police officers? Not so far. <laughs> if there were a competition, it would be a, a, a healthy competition. Jason Tillman is the fire chief in the city of Forest. Jason, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Jan Matheny is the community development director for the city of Hernando. She tells us how the program is being implemented in Hernando schools. Our officers visit with each of our elementary schools on a monthly basis, and we have three elementary schools here in Hernando. They have been working um, with the students and the teachers, and it's been making a, a very big impact in the kids' lives as well as their parents and the teachers in the school because they are talking about healthy eating and being physically active, and they're doing it in a way that's very playful with the children. Uh, so it's making the children excited about them coming out. It's very proactive work with our law enforcement and the community, and they are being stopped in, in the community by some of the parents stating that this program now has made them make changes in their lifestyle. For example, one of the children's parents came up to one of the officers and said, you know, my child no longer wants me to buy Pop-Tarts. And um, so with that, they're making changes for a healthier lifestyle at home. And the kids are all for it because their friends are doing it too. So it's been, it's been a very good experience for everyone in the community. Are the police officers and firefighters following their own advice? Are they also eating better and, and getting more activity? They are. Um, we actually received a, another grant because of some of the other health initiatives we make within our community. And we have now a new fitness center at the police department. And the police are, you know, bringing their their spouses and their family members and um, they're starting to see a change in their lifestyle and they have they have become healthier too. And so they're bringing that to the students and it's just been a very good program for the entire community. Do you think it's a movement that will spread to the community? Is Hernando all of a sudden going to become a healthier town than others in Mississippi? Well, we feel so. We actually feel that we are recognized at the state level as being considered the healthy town. So we call ourselves Healthy Hernando. And um, we are always looking for ways to become healthier um, through 
local um, accessible foods with our farmer's market. We have the largest farmer's market in the state. We are now also building a new two-mile trail, a multi-use trail for um, bike access and walking at our new Renaissance Park. And because of that, you know, the word is spreading, and we have been made, we've been able to make additional partnerships in the community um, to do more things that can make people become physically active, and not in the way that you think of just, you know, if you think of being active, thinking of just fitness and fitness classes, doing things that are really fun, um, good for your peace of mind, and, and just being outdoors and, and doing things with others. So we're very, very excited about that. Um, with that, we just started a new bike share program. It's a free bike program for adults, and it's um, been great for our seniors. And once the multi-use trail is up and running, they'll have another means to use that trailer than just walking. Getting back to law enforcement and firefighters getting into the classroom, how often do they go in? They go in on a monthly basis. So we have three elementary schools. They will visit each one of those schools. Each month, um, they meet in the gymnasium, and they will also, as long as the weather is conducive, they will walk around the school and do a, a walk with all of the children and the teachers that day, and then they bring back information about um, healthy eating um, at home and in the classroom. Gia Matheny is the Community Development Director for the City of Hernando. Gia, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. To find out if the Healthy Heroes program is offered in your area, visit HealthierMississippi.org. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.com.